Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. You That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a slammer. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Great to be with you guys. Welcome in Sports Open Line on a Thursday night following a rough four-game series in New York. Uh, it was competitive for the most part. I mean, last night it got away late in the game, but, you know, you had a 3-1 loss, a 4-3 win, and then a 7-6 loss today in the game last night that, that became 11-4 was, you know, a, a two-run game going into the bottom of the eighth inning. So, a lot of competitive baseball, but some disappointing stuff. And obviously a lot to talk about uh, coming out of that series. And look, it's not just about this series. You know, we want to zoom out a little bit and and look back to May 6th. Uh, the Cardinals had just won the first two games of the series in San Francisco after taking two out of three in Kansas City. Uh, and, you know, things were pretty good. They were 16 and 10. And, you know, that was at a point where the offense had started to click a little bit. They were scoring some runs. And since May 6th, the Cardinals have only gone four and eight. So four and eight in their last 12 games. And in the games that they're losing, more often than not, um, you're you're scoring three runs or less. And, you know, the offense is not bad when you look at the averages. Like if you go to fan graphs or something like that and you look at where they rank in terms of runs scored, uh, where they rank in terms of some of the more uh, analytical uh, tools like you know weighted runs created plus weighted on base average, they they rank really well. I mean they're like top ten, but we know by watching and I talked about this with Mike Claiborne uh, between games of the doubleheader the other day. You know we know by watching that it's not been that smooth and that's the problem where you can have numbers that on the surface look pretty good, but if you're not consistent, if it's, you know, 10 runs one day and then it's three runs combined over the next three days, well, you know, if you average that out, you know, it's four runs a game, but that's not really what's happening. You know, you had one big outburst and then three games that weren't good. So the inconsistency of the offense uh, remains a question, although I thought the offense was pretty good today. Uh, it was actually pretty good yesterday. I mean, you know, it's not like it was great, but you got a couple of runs against Max Scherzer before he came out of the game, and four runs is a major league average game. 
today the offense was was really good. It's just a matter of the couple of relief pitchers and and your starter weren't on their game. And you know Dakota Hudson was wild. Um, you know, 84 pitches in just four and two thirds, 49 of those were strikes. So just a little bit more than half of his pitches were strikes gave up, you know, seven base runners in four and two thirds, four earned runs. Uh, then you had a, a little bit of a tough day for Nick Whitgren, who allowed three base runners in a third of an inning and also allowed a bunch of runners to, to cross the plate, some inherited runners plus one of his own. And then uh, Giovanni Gallegos struggled, you know, he only threw two pitches, but unfortunately one of them was hit 447 feet by Pete Alonso with the ghost runner on second to end the game in the bottom of the 10th inning. So a lot to talk about from the series, but then of course, at the end of the game today, we got the news. Uh, The first I saw, I don't know if it was first from Derek Gould, but the first report I saw was from Derek Gould and it was that the Cardinals are calling up Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor this weekend in Pittsburgh. So Matthew uh, Matthew Libertor is going to start Saturday's game for the Cardinals, and Nolan Gorman's going to be playing second base in the lineup tomorrow night for his major league debut in the opener of the three game series against the Pirates. And this brings us a whole new level of things to talk about uh, because now now you have a couple of guys that people have been clamoring for that have been pounding. And look, I'm I've been excited about these. Guys. I've been waiting to see these two top prospects make their major league debut. I mean, we all have it. It'd be, uh, you'd be crazy if you didn't have that anticipation. You'd be weird if you didn't have that anticipation when you've got prospects at triple a doing the things that those guys were doing and, you know, ranked where they are, not just in the organization, right? Gorman's your number two prospect. Libertor's your number three, but these are also guys that are, you know, in the top, 35, 40 prospects in all of baseball, according to MLB.com and according to other ranking uh, systems. I mean, Nolan Gorman is number 29, according to MLB.com. Matthew Libertor is number 39. So two of the top 40 prospects will be making their major league debuts for the Cardinals over the next two days. What's even crazier about this, and I, and I saw uh, Mark Saxon tweeting about it, and he and I have you know, had a couple of tweets back and forth. It's crazy that these two guys, Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor, have been friends since they were little kids. Like, think about that. What are the odds that two kids that have been best friends since they were seven or eight years old are not only both going to be first-round draft picks, which they were, by different teams, by the way, but end up top 40 prospects at the age of 22, both of them, end up in the same organization by virtue of a trade and then make their major league debut back-to-back days being called up on the same day by uh, their now their current major league team. I mean, the odds of that being a thing are ridiculously low. Two childhood best friends. I mean, two of the, two childhood best friends just being professional baseball players is against all odds. Forget being top prospects and first-round draft picks and now, again, major leaguers and making their debuts on the same day. Just an extra cool story. But what's even more important is what those guys are and what they can bring to the table for the Cardinals. That's what's going to be the bigger question. Now, it seems very clear with Tyler O'Neill, by the way, going on the injured list here. It seems very clear. And and look, John Mozeliak has been on the record about this in the past, talking about guy, a guy like Nolan Gorman. When he comes up, he's here to play. 
He's not here to sit and watch. He's not here to be a part-time player. He's here to play. So this gives us an idea about what they're going to do and how they're going to handle all this, which is something we're going to talk about as we go through um, this hour. And uh, we'll dig into it even more in the next hour, too. Uh, Next hour is exclusively baseball coverage. I'm going to talk a bit about the Blues here a little bit later on this hour. But with the Cardinals breaking news and Gorman and Libertor making their debut in a time where the team needs it. I mean, now, here's the thing. If you look at the Cardinals lineup at the moment, and you'll you'll see, you know, uh, Tommy Edmond with an OPS near 800. It's dropped off a bit, but again, that's not totally unexpected. But the good thing with him is he still has a 368 on base percentage. But Brendan Donovan has been phenomenal since getting called up. I mean, he's got a, a 990 OPS. He's been on base 49% of the time, and he's been playing pretty much every day. Juan Yepes since being called up. I mean, he's three for five today with a home run. His OPS is over 900, and he's hitting 333, and he's shown power, and he's getting on base. Dylan Carlson is having a great month of May. He had, a, he had a bad month of April, but he's having a great month of May. So you're starting to look around and you're like, all right, there are a lot fewer holes in this lineup as you look at it going forward, right? I mean, the, the two pieces that really hadn't come together yet were left field and center field, right? Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader. And while Bader has not been nearly as bad as Tyler O'Neill has been, still not where you want him to be. I mean, he's at like a six. He's around 650 on the OPS. You want him to be in the 700s. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. If Harrison Bader's in the 700s on his OPS, and if he can get that on-base percentage up to 325, 330, then he's a perfectly good player for you because you know he's an elite defender. Obviously, he leads the National League in stolen bases. He picked up stolen base number 11 today, actually number 10 and number 11 today. So he's still contributing, and you're actually getting some offense here lately from Yadier Molina. Um, Andrew Kisner has a 700 OPS. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that from a part-time catcher. So what this is really coming down to is they really need Tyler O'Neill to start hitting, but most importantly, it needs to be less streaky, more balanced, because that's the problem, right? These guys are putting a lot of putting up a lot of runs on a given day, 15, for example, on Sunday. And then for two or three games, it's a struggle. And then you have a big out, like, outburst like today. You had six runs. You know, you had four yesterday. I mean, it, you, you want this to become where you're more regularly scoring four, five, six runs, you know, on, on somewhat regular, you know, 60, 70% of the time. And that's when you're going to start to win games more. It's the problem is not ability at the moment. The problem is not the statistics. It's not power. It's not speed. It's the regularity with which you can be what you need to be. That's the big difference for the Cardinals at the moment. And I'm going to talk more about all of that in the 7 o'clock hour tonight. Uh, Certainly think it's a big deal. We got some bullpen things that I want to get into, uh, some rotation things. You know, I mean, it's going to be... It's going to be interesting to see how they want to play this with Jordan Hicks moving forward. I mean, look at if if Matthew Libertor comes up and looks really good. There's a rotate. I mean, he could be a guy that sticks. I mean, he's the kind of prospect that when he shows you he's ready, he may be here for good. That's the that's the level of talent that you're talking about. Well, what does that mean for that that Jordan Hicks spot? Because where they are now, they're in a spot where they're playing a lot of games in a, in, a, in consecutive days. So making sure that everybody stays on normal rest, making sure that they're not overloading everybody is a big deal. Uh, and that's a big part of that kind of decision to bring him into the mix now. Hopefully there's not something we don't know about with an injury somewhere. But it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like O'Neal is the only one going to the injured list. And I wonder, you know, if the, if we've you know, we got a shoulder impingement for O'Neal. It's in his throwing shoulder. I mean, you always wonder if that's contributing, if that's something that he's been trying to tough through and it's been limiting him. I mean, it would explain the dramatic difference between the guy we saw last year and the guy we've been seeing this year. But the the key point to me now is, you look around the diamond. Do you have any questions about the offense at first base? No. Third base? No. Shortstop? Not with Donovan being there. Now, it looks like Edmund is going to slide over to shortstop. This is uh, what's been reported since the game ended. Edmund's going to start playing some shortstop with Nolan Gorman playing second base. Uh, that, to me, is a pretty good signal that Brendan Donovan's going to get some time in left field because the way he's going offensively, he's going to be in there. And then Yepes will get the time at DH, which he's very well earned. So you're looking around, you're like, there aren't that many parts in the lineup where you're not happy with the person that's going to be in there. You're going to be happy that Gorman's getting his chance. You're going to be happy that Norm- that Dylan Carlson is playing. Obviously, we're happy that Yepes and Donovan have been productive. So it's going to be, again, about stabilizing and being consistent, we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. And again, I've got some specific player things too, like what the heck's going on with TJ McFarland? 
he's giving up the most hard contact of any pitcher in baseball. Like, he's getting rocked. What's happening? What's going on with Gallegos? Not been where we need him to be. We'll talk more about that coming up a little bit later on. Uh, All baseball with the strike zone in the next hour. Coming up next, though, I want to dive in on the Blues. Game two is coming up in a couple of hours. Game one was mostly okay, right? You had a competitive game. You end up losing in overtime. That sucks. But there are some things that really need to change. We'll talk a bit about those things next up here on KMOX. All right, let's do a little bit of Blues hockey here. We got the strike zone coming up in the 7 o'clock hour, so that'll be all baseball. So I want to dive in deeper on Nolan Gorman and what we would expect there, deeper on Matthew Libertor, what we can expect there, what are their profiles, uh, what should we be looking for with their Major League debuts coming this weekend and all of that. I want to talk more about the depth of the lineup, uh, some issues in the bullpen, and also about the rotation as a whole, especially with you know considering Libertor as part of the mix right now. And we will be talking about all of that stuff in the next hour. Let's get into the Blues. Uh, critical game in the series tonight. I mean, there's, you know, it's it's a that's a duh. Of course it is. You're down one nothing. It's game two. You want to steal a game on the road if you can. I mean, it's not a must win by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you still have your chance to reassert yourself at home. But yeah, you, you really want to get a win tonight. And the the thing is for. Some of the game in game one, the Blues played well enough to win. They played, a, I thought, a pretty good first period. It flipped pretty significantly in favor of the Abs in the third, in the second period. Uh, Jordan Bennington was really uh, the reason why the Blues were able to stay in the game, though. They, they just did not take care of the puck. And, you know, we talk a lot about analytics revolution in sports, right? Baseball was kind of the first and it's still the biggest when it comes to discussion of those things. But the NFL has definitely had its analytics growth, its analytics push. The NHL has, NBA certainly has. I mean, that's led to the three-point revolution and all that. Um, And the NHL, we have the same idea. And one of those things that is important, one of the most important things to keep an eye on for teams, and it it matches up perfectly with old school hockey thought, right? I mean, the old school thought was if you have the puck, the other team can't score. So it's always known that puck possession was a big deal. It's not a new revelation. It's just something that gets measured more now. And it's very simple. The, the Blues need to possess the puck more. I mean, you can't give a team like Colorado that many shots on goal. So by comparison, the Blues had 25 shots on Darcy Kemper in game one. They scored twice. And on the other end, they gave up 54 shots on goal. I mean, I, I don't think you have to know anything about hockey to know that you can't give up twice as many shots on goal to your opponent as you are going to get yourself. I mean, that's just not a recipe to stay in. And you got to give Bennington a lot of credit, man. He stopped 51 shots. He made some really big saves. I mean, some you know one in particular, the... They're reaching back with the glove hand, with the open net, and 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 robbing uh, uh, an opportunity. He he did what he could do, which is keep you in the game while the team around you was not really doing the job. And again, I understand it's not perfect. You know, you're dressing seven defensemen. Uh, they may do that again tonight. It sounds like that was kind of the plan. In reading some of the coverage from uh, Jeremy Rutherford and Jim Thomas today, and. Again, I understand that you know you still got guys that are you know working their way back. You still don't have um, Marcos Gandela. You didn't in the in game one, so you know you're you're still trying to feel your way through. And yeah, there's a lot of workload being put on the big three with Pareko and Falk and Letty. They're carrying heavy, heavy minutes. 
and the other guys are kind of sharing the rest. But you you definitely are going to need more. You know, and and Ken Hitchcock used to say this too, uh, and he was always famous for you know making things as simple as possible. Like when you talk to him, you know, out at a show or whatever, you'd always get the the simplest observation. Like your best players need to be your best players in the playoffs. And it seems like such a dumb, simple statement, but it is true. And it's what we saw from the Blues when they won the Stanley Cup, for example. It's what we have se- what we saw in the Minnesota series. You know, you look at the guys that were their best players on offense in that series. It was Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, and Vladimir Tarasenko. Their best players were their best players. Uh, you know, Jordan Cairo and Ryan O'Reilly scored goals in in game one. Braden Shen was a contributor. Uh, Justin Falk was a contributor. You know, and I'm just that's just offensively. That's not even talking about the all-around game. Well, another one of the things that he would talk about is, you know, one of the best ways to play great defense is actually to have the puck. <laughs> it's to maintain offensive possessions. It's to, it's to, you know, pin the other team in their own zone, cycle in the corners, get some shots, get some rebounds, make a change while you have possession, wear them out. That's, a, that's one of the best ways to limit. I mean, think of it this way. What do, what do teams do? When they're facing an elite quarterback, what is, what's their goal? Their goal is to keep Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, whoever, to keep them on the sideline by possessing the football with their offense. You're not likely to 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 run to to, to out you know go to beat them in a shootout. You don't want to trade punches with those guys. Just like as a you know back in the day as a fighter, you don't want to trade punches with Mike Tyson. You're gonna lose. You wanted to draw it out. You wanted to make him move. You wanted to pick your spots. And, you know, look, the Colorado Avalanche have tremendous skill and speed. Now, again, the Blues had almost the same offensive numbers this year as the Avalanche. They were with a couple of goals scored of each other. But they do it in slightly different ways. And the Blues do it with, uh, you know, a lot of depth and a lot of different guys that are going to be in. And Colorado has depth. Make no mistake about it. When I say different ways, a lot of it is more stylistic than it is in terms of the quality. But but the Abs do rely a little bit more on their very top guys. You know, I mean, you you look at a guy like uh, Mikko Rantanen, you look at McKinnon, those guys are playing 24, 25 minutes in game one. Now, a couple of Blues forwards came close to that counting some special teams times and stuff like that. But they're they're definitely more likely to spread the load out. Well, Colorado though, stylistically, they have they're just an explosively fast team. And it's hard to hit what you can't catch. Now, I'm not saying you don't want to be physical, you certainly do. I mean, the Blues are not as physical a team as they were when they won the Stanley Cup. They're not as heavy as that. But they still have guys that can grind. They still have the ability to put a body on you. And you definitely want to do that when the opportunity presents itself. But again, with speed on the other side, your best defense against that is to keep them from having the puck. Your best defense against that is to take offensive zone time, uh, have your own offensive zone time. And I think that's going to be what's interesting about checking out how they they perform tonight, how they execute tonight compared to how they did in game one, in particular in that second period. Are they able to maintain? Because, look, the other team's trying to stop you from doing that. It's not like it's just as simple as deciding to do it. And and in an effort to change things up a little bit, to to 
you know, work on that puck possession, generate more chances of your own. Uh, they shook up those top three lines a little bit. Uh, so you're going to have Puchnevich with O'Reilly and Perron tonight. Uh, you're going to have Saad Thomas and Kairou together, and then Barbashev, Shen, and Tarasenko together. And, you know, in in hockey, it's not that unusual to see lines get shaken up if you're having, if you had a down game or if you lost a game or, heck, honestly, sometimes it's just what do you need at a given moment? Which pieces fit together for this particular matchup? And so much of modern sports is about matching up with your opponent and canceling out their strengths to emphasize your own. Or it's simply, or the opposite of that, it's looking at what you can take advantage with them and then aligning your own pieces together with it. And, you know, I don't know if the, I don't know if the, uh, the changes make a big difference. Maybe they will. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see if this change does anything, either creating extra problems for the abs or just, you know, it makes it ends up, you know, clicking because of the way that these particular players are playing and how they complement one another. Because that's really what the lines are about, right? It's about finding pieces that complement what you need at that moment. So I, I know that uh, after practice today, Craig Berube was talking about. You know, having Thomas and Kairou with Brandon Saad. So here, with you know, with two young kids that are extremely gifted. Who and you know, Thomas obviously has been through the playoff run before, but you know, Brandon Saad's been doing it for a while, and he's a veteran. And having the veteran guy in there with those guys could certainly be an interesting combination. And obviously, Thomas and Kairou together can be dynamic with Thomas's you know playmaking ability and Kairou's speed and scoring ability. So. Really interested to see how it plays tonight. I, I did not think the Blues played a bad game in game one, but I do think that kind of game is its not sustainable against the Avalanche over the course of a series. So we'll see how much can change tonight. All right, coming up next, just a quick hitter. I got to get into this whole thing between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. You've got two of the top coaches in the SEC barking at each other. SEC media days are starting up. So it's going to be interesting, both reprimanded by the league. And here's a case involving Nick Saban where he's criticizing everybody else for doing what is okay based on the rules now. I'll tell you what I mean next up on KMOX. All right, we're going to get to the strike zone next hour. That's going to be the 7 o'clock hour, all baseball. So we're going to be talking about uh, the debuts coming for Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor. Uh, we'll be talking a bit about um, the rest of the lineup maneuvering that's likely to go along with Nolan Gorman moving in because he's not coming up here to watch or be a part-time player. Um, John Moselock has been pretty clear about that in, in comments over the past you know several weeks when asked about Gorman. It's like, hey, we, you know, we wanted to be sure like when he's here, he's here to play. He's not here to sit or back anybody up or split time. You want to make sure that the guy, the guy with that kind of profile is going to play. So we'll talk about how, how all that's going to work. The teams play lately. They've lost eight of the last 12. What parts of the bullpen maybe need some attention? Um, you know, obviously Tyler O'Neill going on the injured list. So there's a lot to do all baseball next hour. Wanted to finish with just a couple of minutes on the big story in college football this week. And essentially it was Nick Saban um, ranting about the way name, image, and likeness deals are being used to get top players to schools that aren't Alabama. And look, 
Uh, there are a couple of layers to this conversation. I'm just going to tell you what Nick Saban said, and we'll talk a bit about whether he's right or wrong, but also I want to talk about the reason why he said what he said to the group of people that he was talking to. That's a key part. We'll get to that in a second. So what he said was this. He said, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, likeness. We didn't buy one player. But I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. It's tough. Okay, so the first part is noteworthy because, number one, he seems to be mad about other schools doing something that is perfectly within the rules at this point, which is lining kids up for name, image, and license deals as a means of getting them on campus. I mean, that's happening all over the country in all kinds of sports. I mean, it's mostly men's basketball and football, but it's happening in other sports. I mean, this was a big deal. Actually, my alma mater, Miami, had a couple of transfers on the women's college basketball side that got huge name, image, and likeness deals because they have a huge social media following. They're identical twin sisters um, who are transferring into the program, and they're very good. Uh, they have, a hu- again, a huge following on social media, so they've, they've gotten some good sponsorship deals. But anyway, the point here is that Nick Saban's mad that now he's going to have to do what everybody else is doing or that it's going to be something extra, which is just stupid. I mean, you've got a dynasty going. You have the access to all of those things, just like AM and Texas and everybody else. He also mentioned Jackson State, which is where Deion Sanders is the head coach. They had a player who got a million-dollar name, image, and license deal who was one of the top recruits in the country, was going to Florida State and then changed to go to Jackson State, which is not a normal thing, but obviously with the name, image, and likeness deals, you may see more of that. And... Obviously, Saban here is just an old man yelling at clouds. You remember about, what, seven, eight, nine years ago, he was complaining about spread offenses and how fast they go and how defenses can't change. And he wanted rules changes because it's not fair. It's not fair to the defense. People are going to get hurt. Remember, Remember him going through all that? Well, what did he do after that? He adapted. They went to the spread offense. They went to the fast pace. They went to the tempo. And they won championships with it. But here's the key part to me that too many people across the country just glossed right over with this story. They went right to the soap opera. They went right to the Saban versus Jimbo. And, whoa, it's going to be a verbal battle. And, of course, Jimbo Fisher fired back today the way that you would expect, defending his program, calling out Saban, the whole deal. Did you happen to read in the story? Did you happen to catch who Nick Saban was speaking to when he made those comments. Quote, local business leaders. What do you think the purpose of that message was? Knowing Nick Saban is smart, knowing that he's always thinking about the big picture, knowing that he's trying to always position things in the best way for his program. What do you think he was doing? talking to a group of local business leaders about other schools getting bigger deals in name, image, and likeness for their players. What do you think he's trying to do there? Guys, that's called the big old kick in the ass. He's basically telling those guys, we're going to need you. We're going to need you 
We're going to need your support. We're going to need your money if you want Alabama football to continue being what Alabama football has been for the last 15 years. So, yeah, as much as he's raging against the system he probably doesn't want to be a part of, as much as he's mad that some of the players he wanted went to Texas A&M, that message was there to scare those local business leaders so that they would help him get those deals done. Strike Zone, all Cardinals baseball coming up after the news. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.